We're beginning a new series uh, this um, today and it will extend for the next couple of months. And this new series is called Inspired Witness. Uh, what we want to do with the series is we're going to be journeying through the book of Acts together. And just as our new merged community is coming together and rediscovering our identity in Christ and our new identity as a merged community, uh, we see this kind of identity formation taking place in the book of Acts as this community of faith, this young community of faith, they just went through a disruptive moment in their life and in their faith. And through this disruptive moment, Jesus is calling them to follow him. And he's giving a little bit of a call and an invitation to say, your community is supposed to look like this. The community of faith, while here on earth, is supposed to represent what a community of faith in heaven looks like by following me in this kind of way. And so for the book of Acts, it's often seen as this kind of like beginning point of the early church of this formation of a community. And when I started to kind of figure out, you know, what do I want to preach on for this next series? What am I going through? What are some of the things that I've been wrestling with, even as a pastor, but uh, apart from pastor, just a follower of Jesus Christ in the various stages of my life? Uh, this question kept popping up in my head is, what does spiritual formation look like? What does spiritual formation look like as I try to follow Jesus in this new stage of my life. Because every stage of my life, I realized that when I was a teen, my spiritual formation or the habits that I formed or the way that I engaged with God was so different than what I am now. And if I try to stick with the same types of routines and the same type of way that I engage with God, it would not be sufficient for me to feel fulfilled or energized or feel God's presence in my life because those past patterns no longer were sufficient, valid, powerful for my current context. I needed change. And so when I first encountered Jesus in my teens, I remember I was just so hungry to know him more. It was the first time my eyes were open. Wow, Jesus is real. God is real. I remember the first time I met God, the very first uh, action that I did as I encountered Jesus in my own room is I went to my best friends and I just told them, guys, you got to know Jesus. This is not a joke. He really is who he says he is. And my whole desire from that moment was I need to read the Bible. I need more content. I need to know who this God is who met me in my bedroom at a time when I was ready to walk away from Christ. See, my spiritual formation at that time was very simple. It revolved around two things. Every day, I committed myself, I'm going to read God's word, and I'm going to make sure by the end of a year, I'm going to read through the whole Bible. My whole mindset was content, and my routine was consistent. Another thing that I did was, well, I, I don't understand it by myself, and I can't understand a lot of what is written in God's word, or when I pray, am I doing it right, or when I'm reading my Bible, am I interpreting it right? And so corporate community... Uh, corporate worship uh, services became important to me. So I started joining a Bible study, listening to a radio program, going to church on Sundays, on Fridays, and morning prayer on Saturday. I couldn't get enough of it because I was so hungry in that stage 
to gain as much experience and knowledge as possible to know what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, my biggest challenges that I wrestled with at that time that that kind of spiritual formation helped me with was the biggest challenges was twofold. The first one was how do I now navigate through my friendships and my social life given this new identity? Because things change. I can't deal with my friends or act with my friends the same way that I was doing before I met Christ. And that became a big challenge for me. What does it now mean that I'm a Christian and this is my identity as a son of Jesus Christ? What does it mean now to have these relationships with my friends who aren't Christian? With my friends who don't understand what's going on in my identity shift. And the second challenge that I had was with my parents. Understanding that my parents had certain values and I was called as I was trying to learn what kingdom values were. How do I honor my father and my mother while at times I sense God calling me to do certain things or to pursue a certain life that may be different than what they have planned for me? Those were the two challenges that I had to wrestle with, and my formation practices at that time was sufficient to help me navigate those two challenges. But then I went to university, and in university, things had changed because things got a lot more complex. My life wasn't so... Uh, my life wasn't so secured by a youth group anymore, by a youth pastor, by a church that I can go to and find relationships. And now I didn't have that youth group anymore. I didn't have that youth pastor anymore. And my everyday academia kind of setting, I realized there were so many challenges to a person who was taking science courses about understanding or reconciling sciences, evolution, with faith and creationism. That became a big worldview shift for me where I had to wrestle with, well, science, it seems accurate. It seems truthful. It seems trustworthy. And all my professors are saying, this is what it is. But the Bible tells me something very different. You know, what do I trust or how do I understand this? How do I navigate this different philosophy of life and how everything originates? To do that, because I didn't have this security of youth group, or youth pastor, or all these things anymore, I had to find a different formation of faith during that time. And so at that time, God provided me with three mentors whom I regularly met with who were in academia, and I, they were challenging my thoughts. I, were at, I was asking them questions, and I tried to engage in God's word in a very different way during that time. Because now the lens that I had was no longer a lens of just content and learning content, but now it was all about dealing with my doubts, dealing with my struggles, dealing with the cynicism or skepticism that was growing inside of me as I saw a dissonance between what I was studying and what I was called to believe. See, my biggest challenge at that time was really faith and science, these two worldviews that came to a clash. You know, with every new stage, and I can go on and on, but with every new stage of my life came new challenges, and I had to recognize that my current spiritual formation practices that I had at that time, it was good, but it was not sufficient for now the next stage of my life that I was entering into. Something needed to change. I needed to adjust. There needed to be some um, evolution in the way 
that I met with God, I deepened my relationship with God. You see, when we fail to pursue this question with intent and desire, whatever stage we're at right now, and we find ourselves always going to status quo, oh, this is how I always live my faith, or this is what I was always used to in terms of deepening my relationship with God. If we always have that status quo and, in, and we don't pursue in this stage of my life, even though f- things feel disconnected in my relationship with God, we don't pursue it with intent and desire. What we find ourselves is we find ourselves stuck in our old spiritual framework. And when we're stuck in that framework, we recognize that it no longer becomes effective, powerful, and compelling for us to live in our new framework. This is why, for some of us, we use the word backsliding, or we use the word, hey, I feel disconnected, uh, disconnection, or I don't feel that same desire, that passion that I had in the past. Well, maybe it's because in this new stage of your life, things have changed. You have matured. Your life has become more complex. And the older, simpler methods that we use to sustain our faith is not sufficient for the increased complexity that we're dealing with right now. So I think this is why when I look at my own kind of patterns and the way that I try to move in my relationship with Christ, I found that was probably the main reason why I began to drift in certain seasons of my life. Because I was holding on to old patterns. I was holding on to old spiritual formation practices and thinking that as long as I do this and as long as I'm faithful and just keeping up with what I was supposed to do, I thought that my life would get better. I felt that this dissonance would, get, would decrease. But what I found is that it just became harder and harder to maintain that spirituality. Harder and harder to, to remain committed to it because it wasn't giving me life anymore. It wasn't giving me energy. It was doing nothing for me in this new season. And so this is where my mindset said, well, if I skip a day of doing these kind of patterns that I'm used to, then it's not going to make so much of a difference in my everyday life because already it's ineffective. And so what I find myself doing is doing less of this and then coming up with a rationale and thinking, it's okay, God understands, I'm in this kind of season. And instead of pursuing with intent and desire, God, what is a new formation practice that I need in my life that helps meet this need and this emptiness that I feel inside? I just lean towards convenience, what was easier. And I just settled with, I guess this is it, and this is what I'll stick with. You know, these disciples, they just now entered, as we begin the book of Acts, these disciples, they just entered a new stage of their life in which they found their former faith paradigm their former spiritual formation practices that they were doing with Jesus, they now found it to be insufficient for this now new stage of their journey. They had been walking with Jesus for three and a half years, and and they've had that spiritual formation practice with Jesus teaching them, Jesus showing them, Jesus engaging, and them just following what Jesus had to say. See, during this time, they really believed that Jesus was all, in their mindset, Jesus was all about gaining power. It was all about doing these um, um, miracles, and because of this, people would join. And the disciples, they recognized at that time 
something needed to change in their faith practice. See, as each one of us, we struggle through our various journeys, I remember the time where I would complain a lot, um, just like the disciples were complaining, and they would just say, hey, remember when we got to just hang out with Jesus? And when we hung out with Jesus, we got to see all the great stuff that he did, and because of that, we were the recipients of that blessing, like we saw that, it made us feel good, it made us feel like this is why we follow him, because he brings all that, um, all that zest in life, he brings all that power, and all we need to do is just be with him and follow him, and we kind of like absorb it, uh, like secondhand, where we don't need to do too much, but he does it, and we feel good by association. But at this time, as Jesus now says, I'm going back to the Father, and I'm now going to send you the Holy Spirit, your spirit, your spiritual formation practice must be different. You can't hold on to what you had in the past. You know, before I became a pastor, I remember I could have devotions in my life without thinking about a sermon, without thinking about a Bible study, and it was such a carefree moment where I just felt like, wow, I have all this time and it's a pure devotion where my mind is not divided between am I doing this for a sermon, am I doing this for a Bible study, or am I really doing this so that I can have that deep devotional experience with God. And in this new stage of my life as a pastor, I struggle with that so much and I still continue to struggle with it because my old way of doing devotion, it doesn't work. Because now that I have that pastoral responsibility, my mind is always going towards Hey, this would work well in a sermon when I'm doing my own devotions. Or this would work well in a Bible study. And I had to reform in my heart and my mind, what does a devotional life look like when it's, when it's separated from my profession as a pastor? You know, I remember before I got married, the ease in which I could form community with people around me because I was a you know, young adult, I had a lot of freedom, I didn't have to ask anyone whether I wanted to, you know, when I want to hang out with a person or how late I wanted to do it. And I remember the, for, the community formation that I had as a young adult, it was incredible. I felt so close with certain groups of people, we were hanging out all the time, our, our energy levels were super high. We're always participating together in various events. At, at the drop of a, a hat, I could call them and say, hey, let's do this together. And they would all come out and we'd all do it together. I remember those moments. But then after I got married, and I realized that that kind of freedom now is in tune or in line or limited by now my relationship with my wife and honoring that relationship, I had to reform in my mind what does community and what does communal practices, what do these look like as I go into this new stage? I remember before I became a dad, I had so much more energy to have time with God, so much more energy to serve, and so much more energy to spend this real time with God whenever I felt led and, and needed to do so. But after the kids came, and just exhausted all the time. And it's so hard for me to find any quiet space to just spend time with God and to, and to have that intimacy with him. And the question that came into my head is, what does spiritual formation look like now as a dad? You see, I could continually just made up in my mind, it's okay, this is your season, 
it's fine, God understands, but it would do nothing for me in terms of increasing, deepening my relationship with God in this season and feeling that I'm still in this place where I'm able to get close to God despite the chaos that is happening in my life. You see, brothers and sisters, all of us, we're going to have those moments that come just as the disciples had this moment where Jesus was, it was unthinkable that Jesus would die on the cross and that their God would appear like he loses to humanity. And in this new stage now, living with the Holy Spirit and what that means, rather than a physical presence of Jesus to lead them through it, for them, they had to wrestle through what does our spiritual formation now look like without a physical present leader to put everyone in their place and all of us to follow a singular figurehead. What does it look like to do it together through the power of the Holy Spirit? You see, despite... All of these changes that were happening in the disciples' lives, we see in the witness of Acts, they were able to make adjustments. And they became a powerful witness for not only the church, but also for the world to begin to see. I want you guys to see, look at what happened in Acts. If you look at Acts chapter 1-3, it says, After his suffering... He presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. You see, the very first thing that Jesus does after they're in disillusionment, they said, I didn't know that God could lose. I didn't know that humanity could actually kill God. And as they're kind of dealing with that, because their whole concept of God and his power was God always wins, and then Jesus was supposed to become the king, the emperor, the bigger kingdom than anything else. And he was supposed to raise up Israel to be this great kingdom again. That was their mindset. And what Jesus does after this kind of like new stage that they're going through he sits down with them over a period of 40 days, and he says, hey, let me teach you again. Because your old paradigm of faith, it was insufficient. You thought that Christian life was all about this power and all about your life being better and better. But I want you to see kingdom in a very different way. And he spends 40 days to share with them a renewed understanding. This is what it means to live in my kingdom. This is what it means to be kingdom people. But look at their response. In Acts chapter 1-6, look what they say to him. After he spends his 40 days and re-explains everything to the disciples, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Do you see what happened? Old stage it's all about Israel, all about our power, all about Jesus here to raise up our nationhood, our identity, and our strength compared to all other nations. That was their mindset. God favors us, and then God's going to give us the power because we're affiliated with God. And he goes, okay, in this stage now, after my crucifixion, now I want you guys to see what God's kingdom is about. Revisit again the Beatitudes. 
Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who suffer. Blessed are those who cry out for righteousness. He begins to give them a different view of what kingdom is and how we use that power in this kind of kingdom. Yet the disciples, after all that teaching, they go back to their old paradigm and their old way of thinking and saying, so now are you going to make things better? Now are you going to bring back power? And that's often the temptation that we have in our life. Whenever we're trying to move from our older stage to this stage, we still want to cling to this old nature of our faith. Now are you going to make my life easier? Now are you going to grant me all the requests that I have? And Jesus calls us to a maturing view of our faith and learning how to follow after him. You see, brothers and sisters, when our understanding of faith becomes limited by our past expressions, we are always in danger of lowering our engagement with God to suit our current circumstance. I want to say that again. When our understanding of faith becomes limited by our past experiences, we are always in danger of lowering our engagement with God to suit my circumstance. And when we do that, we stop deepening our formation. See, the book of Acts, despite all the complexity that was happening at that time and all the political stuff that was happening around them, they, these disciples, they sought to find a way. And they kept driving themselves to find a way. What does it mean to follow Jesus in this new stage where there's so much uncertainty and I just don't know what it means and how to follow Jesus with all the threats that are coming our way, our figurehead that is gone, and what does it mean to receive the Holy Spirit? You see, this was a new time for them that they've never experienced before. And Jesus now calls them, how will you now be formed? Because without that, whatever you had in the past will not be sufficient for this type, for this time of your journey. What we learn in Acts are now two things. He gives us two basic ways of engagement to make sure that we will always have a moment where we can deepen our relationship with him. The first one is this. An encounter with Jesus, it changes everything. Look at Acts 1-3 again. After his suffering... He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. See, in this verse, Jesus says, and and Luke records this important thing, this encounter with Jesus had to happen, and he says it twice. He says, after he presented himself to them, he gave them an encounter with himself. And then he also said, and then he kept appearing to them over the period of 40 days. You see, brothers and sisters, this encounter with Jesus is everything. We can't change our mind. We can't be convinced. We can't have our own plan, our own vision without an encounter with Jesus Christ. 
See, brothers and sisters, despite the busyness of our schedule, despite everything in terms of the complexity of what we're going through and, and just the tiredness of our bodies and, and the mental health that we struggle with, despite all of these things, our desire has to be, how do I keep seeking after God and his kingdom? How do I understand my spiritual formation here and now? We can't give up on that. We need to keep putting ourselves in these kind of spaces where God can continually reveal himself to us. Don't get busy or caught up with our everyday life to the point where we don't make that time anymore. We have to find different ways of making that space so that we can have an encounter with Jesus. The second thing that we see is this. Luke points out that this cannot be done without the Holy Spirit. He says it's not up to you, but it's the Holy Spirit that needs to fill you in that encounter and then lead you from there. Look at Acts 1, 4 to 5 and also 8. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. My father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In that very limited intro that Luke uses to say that Jesus appeared to the disciples, the emphasis and the stress that Luke gives for all of his readers and all of the hearers is this. He says, without God's Spirit, without the Holy Spirit coming and filling us, we cannot move forward. Jesus makes that crystal clear. He says to the disciples, keep waiting until you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep putting yourselves and keep seeking after me to have that encounter with me so that in these encounters, there's a time and space where I will fill you with the Holy Spirit. And with that filling, you will now go forward, not out of your own vision and out of your own might, but you'll feel compelled to go by a different power, by the power of God's Spirit. Brothers and sisters, sometimes our Christian formation, our Christian faith, it feels like it's all about my effort. It's all about me being good, me doing what I need to do. But what Luke points out is he's saying, do you know what it feels to be filled with God's spirit so his spirit leads you into your next stage? See, there were, uh, they were intentional and kept putting themselves in the best position possible so that this filling of God's spirit could happen. Look at Acts 1.14. It says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. Jesus says, wait for the Holy Spirit. They gathered the first time in prayer and making space for God, but God doesn't show up with his spirit. The next day, they meet again in prayer. They have this formation practice and say, we can't let go of this, and they do it communally, and God doesn't appear with his spirit. 
They do it again, again, again to the point where Luke says it was constant, constant, constant until we look into Acts chapter 2 and we see finally the filling of the Spirit that comes upon them. Why did it take so long? Why is there a gap between when God says wait for the Spirit and they had to do this kind of practice over and over and over again until the Spirit finally came? Well, I think that preparation process, it's necessary. It helps form our character. Because the gift that God gives us is not just his spirit, but he also gives us a gift to go forward in faith in this new stage of our life. You guys probably all heard the dynamic that works between gifting and character. Right? We all long for more gifting. We all long for you know, a big vision or you know, I want clarity of my life of how God wants to use me. We all long for it, but without the necessary character, that gifting will not be handled well. With a greater gifting, we need greater character. And I think this is part of the reason as the disciples kept meeting and kept praying, it's developing their character in spiritual formation. It's developing their character in trusting in God. It's developing their character in learning how to pray and coming together as a, as a communal body together. It's developing them and then sharpening them so that when the Holy Spirit came, they're able to handle that gift well according to the way God wants them to use it. See, brothers and sisters, character is what, God, what Jesus builds in each one of us as we learn how to keep making spaces in our new spiritual formation practices in whatever stage that we are at. And we keep being faithful in these new ways of seeking after God and saying, Lord, I want to encounter you. Lord, I want to deepen my relationship with you. And we keep seeking out how do we do this with intent and desire. And when we do, there comes a time when you're not anticipating, you're not thinking about it, but God's spirit just suddenly just comes upon you, fills you, and blesses you. It takes time. It takes character. Well, a lot of us, we've seen in the past few years, so many church leaders, pastors, worship leaders, suddenly leaving the faith, suddenly seeing this big um, downfall because they're so gifted in what they do. But the question that we have is, were they able to build the character to sustain the gift that they were given? See, brothers and sisters, each one of us, God wants to give this gift the gift as the Holy Spirit fills you to give you this vision of how he wants to use your life and how powerful he wants your life to be. But if there's not the necessary building of character that's behind it, we all stumble with that gift. We all hurt each other with that gift. We disappoint ourselves with that gift. Friends, sisters, I want to challenge each one of us today in these two areas of our life. Right now, as you look at your life and the way that you're living your life, what's your spiritual formation practice?
that you are pursuing so that you can encounter Jesus and in that encounter be filled with God's spirit. Let's make that part of our disciplines so that as we do, character prepares us for the gift that's going to follow.